0: hey fam welcome to black crew call i'm your host k montgomery today i'm super excited for you guys because listen we're gonna have our first interview with the senior vfx compositor It's Shonda Hunt. Let me tell you guys a little bit about her. So she's a member of the Visual Effects Society, currently based in the tri-state area. She started her career over 10 years ago and throughout her career, she's had the opportunity to work over 20 studios across two continents on multiple, multiple feature films, TV shows and commercials. You guys can't see her right now, but there is no way she's been doing anything for a decade unless she started when she was 10 because she looks great You look young, sis. You're looking good. The black is not cracking, fam. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) So welcome, Shonda, to the show. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So like I was telling Shonda, we've never had a VFX compositor on. So can you just kind of start us off by giving us a brief overview about the position, about what you do and kind of your day-to-day? Yeah, sure. So basically...
1: um, A compositor basically takes all of the pieces that go together to create the final image right before it's going on the screen. So you have a lot of different people that work together to create the final image. And the last step, well, one of the last steps is post-production, which is where the compositor kind of falls into that category of post-production. So you have 3D artists, you have effects artists, you have um, digital matte painters, you have all these pieces creating You know, maybe backgrounds, foregrounds, elements, and then the compositor takes all those elements, puts them together to create the final look of the footage for the show.
0: Awesome. So I always like to ask um, about your path to the getting there. Um, do you consider it to be a normal path or is it pretty traditional? And what is the usual path, if there is one, a usual path?
1: Well, I mean, my path definitely was not traditional, but from what I've heard from other people who work in the and who do this position, a lot of people say, oh, um, I wanted to do this since I saw Star Wars or, you know, like they were fascinated with the visuals and they wanted to work in visual effects as a result of that maybe they had parents who were working when they were little stuff like that so they kind of had a little bit of more of an intro or a desire or even knowledge of it than i did um i didn't even know about this industry i went to undergrad i worked in advertising i was like doing regular advertising graphic design and then um i went to a panel at nyu with one of my friends who was doing computer design and he's actually a compositor as well, but he he does a lot of other things besides compositing, but maybe a generalist. And um, so, yeah, I went to a panel and I just happened to see and hear visual effects artists um, discussing this type of work. And I was just fascinated. And I was like, oh, wait, that's something that sounds pretty cool for me. So I wasn't happy in my Um, graphic design job and my Mm -hmm. advertising job, like I hated work. I was complaining every day (laughs) and I was like, oh, my God. And I love art. So, you know, I usually do traditional art, Mm -hmm. but I did study digital art. So I was like trying to find a way to like find something that I could be passionate about, but also make money. Mm -hmm. So when I saw, um, you know, that panel on visual effects, I was like, I think I'm going to have to go back to school and like study computer animation. And that's what I did.
0: No way. You are blowing my mind right now, Shonda. (laughs) Like this is exactly, see your kind of story is exactly the story that we need to hear about because I think that people, because that prevailing notion of I watched star Wars, it blew my mind when I was nine and that's all I've wanted to do. I think it's so valuable to hear someone who comes at it from a totally different angle, just Mm -hmm. later in life. Like you said, you already had a job, you had graduated. I know that feeling of being like, I'm gonna have to go back to school. Because <laughs> so I already got my grad degree later. Desire. Right.
1: Yeah. I didn't even know I would go back to school because I didn't even know what I wanted to do. And so I literally sat in that panel. So, like, if I had never went that day, I don't even know what I would be doing right now. Yeah,
0: Are you playing with us right now? See, this is what I want my podcast to be able to do, to, to be able to have someone sitting, you know, just listening and go like, what? I'm not too old for that? Oh, I can do I can still do? Oh, wait a minute. OK, so now you got to walk us through that whole this whole thing, because this is the whole situation. So like wh- how did you decide what school to go to when you decided to go back to school? How was it that whole situation?
1: Well, thankfully, I had my friend who was in school and he was going through the process. And actually, it was a big jump for me. I didn't just go right back to school like the day after. But I in my mind, I was like, I want to do this. And I was trying to figure out how I was going to transition from what I was doing Because, you know, it was after undergrad, it was years after that, I was already working and living in New York, and then it's like, all right, I'm an adult, I have responsibilities, how am I going to go back to school, switch careers, and get into that? So uh, my friend, he is the one who suggested, he's like, oh, you know, you could just do a certificate program, you don't even have to go back to undergrad. And he told me the reason was he when he was in NYU, a lot of kids were just dropping out of the program when they got a job because he's (laughs) like, you don't really need the degree. You just need to know what to do. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. So I went to prep for one of their continuing education certificate programs. And um, I would just pay. I would like work and pay for each class because, you know, I couldn't just drop everything and go full time. So I just took it class by class. You know, I was paying out of pocket for the classes. So I was just going through that motion. And then eventually I got in an it Hold on, hold on, hold
0: on. I'm, uh, I'm just uh, going to keep in it because your story <laughs> is so fascinating me. Okay, wait. So, so you get into your first class, you go, I'm going to take, this, which is having a friend in it is going to, is so helpful. People listening to you is going to, are going to be helped so much by the idea of like, oh, I could just do a certificate program. Cause I didn't realize I just needed to have the skill set. Okay. So you get into the first class. And you and do you remember that experience? Was it like, oh, yeah, I'm in the right place? Or were you still kind of nervous and doubting? What was that feeling like?
1: Well, the thing about taking a class at a school, obviously they have a program, right? Mm -hmm. And so they were basically throwing everything at you. So you had to start with like um, I think After Effects was the first class I took, and that class was, like, not what I, After Effects is more for motion motion design, so that wasn't kind of what draw, drew me to want to be a compositor or be effects artist, so it was like, all right, I'm in the class, but I was learning new stuff, and although I wasn't like, you know, this is it, I was still like, oh, well, this is cool, you know, I was excited because I had started the program, and I was, like, learning something new, and I was taking a class, so Um, it's kind of tricky jumping into it because there's so many different layers you really want to find. And I, I try to tell people that like, they ask me even now, um, I mentor a few people and I try to tell them like, you have to find the part of like the whole picture that you fit into, Mm. you know, because then you might, join it and like you might say oh I want to do this and then you'll hate your job too so it's like no different than (laughs) what you probably were doing before so um yeah so I mean I was really excited when I first started like the classes
0: okay all right so I interrupted you go on so you were like I took the classes right so I
1: took those classes and again all the classes that I was taking it was like modeling and animating and texturing. And I wasn't really interested in any of those things, but I was just, again, learning and taking the classes. So um, I was telling my friend, I'm like, you know, I'm taking all these classes, but I have no idea what I wanna do. There's just, every class is different. And I'm sure that um, I wouldn't be required to do all of these things if (laughs) I decided to, you know, get a career in visual effects. And um, then he set up, by then he was working at Sony and he set up a shadowing day, well, a, a few days for me to come to Sony and to just sit with artists in each department and just watch people work and ask them questions. They were answering questions for me. And then, you know, he was like, so you can get a better idea of how all of these programs work in actual post-production. And then maybe you can figure out which area you want to focus more towards. So and- again, that was
0: great. I mean, I don't... <laughs> That is so. That is such a great idea. So, what was your certificate in? Computer animation. Computer animation. And what? What school did you go to? Pratt in New York. In New York. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you. So you go. You do the shadowing. Okay. So then, how was the shadowing?
1: So the shadowing. It was interesting. You know, everyone was being very friendly. They're working on um, some movie that I can't. Well, actually, I guess I. Could talk about it now it's out but yeah they're working on a movie and each um person was just explaining to me their part of the job so I was like moving okay and then I'll like move to the next person and then I'll just sit and watch them work and of course like they're really working on something that's due so I was like trying not to be too <laughs> intrusive right. so I was right. like
0: hold up what was the movie you don't want to tell us the movie um I'm trying to um
1: I think the the great and powerful Oz is okay that okay the new, when they remade the animation of, yeah, you know, the, yeah so it was that, um, yeah, so, yeah, I was just watching everyone, and then the last person I sat with, which is funny, because my friend was a compositor, but he didn't start me in his department, he, like, made me do everything <laughs> else, and then, um, yeah, then I sat with the compositor, and not my friend, I sat with a different compositor, her name's Susan Weeks, so I sat with her, and she was really good, she was, like, explaining every single thing to me and. That was like, when I was watching her work, I was like, I think this is the part that I wanna do. And it was just because the process and seeing what things she had to pay attention to. So again, like everyone else was basically building the pieces for her and she was taking that work, refining it, and then that was gonna go on screen. So I like that process of like, she's like, oh, I got this from the 3D artist and I have to fix this and I have to make it blend in. So I was like, wow, this like it's more putting together a big picture Mm -hmm. when you're a compositor and you're taking all the elements.
0: Interesting. Okay. Wow. What a great experience. So then after that, were you done with class or you still had class? You were still in class? No,
1: no, I was still in class. And the funny thing about that. So I decided I wanted to be a compositor. And the program that they were using, well, they have their own program, but it's Nuke is the industry program for compositing. Okay. And at that time, Pratt did not offer a compositing; they didn't offer a Nuke course. So, I was in school, and I knew they didn't have this court the program that I needed to learn to become a compositor. So, um, I was like, "Oh my god, how am going to learn this program?" Wow. So, um, my friend again, he had all like this big. This is when. Um, you know everyone used dvds so he had this big collection of like dvds <laughs> Wait, and I he was I, I love it so much
0: for some <laughs> of our younger viewers dvds are no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> if y'all don't know what dvds are i don't know what to tell you I mean, they still ahead, have red comment. box they got the red
1: box you know <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah, so he gave me this big collection of DVDs and he's like you can watch these, you can kind of learn some stuff from this and then he recommended some books. And um so I then I started that. So then I'm like taking these classes, but then on the side I'm like reading new books and watching these like DVDs he gave me and like trying to just follow along and like learn this program on my own. And um Yeah. So then I was like, all right, I think I need to get an internship because like, I mean, I'm learning it, but I need to make sure I'm learning or like it's being, I'm effectively learning because no one, I'm not turning in anything in class.
0: So you were teaching yourself now. I mean, you were going to class, but then also you were a whole teacher and just teaching yourself. Yeah. Wow. Okay.
1: So, um, yeah, so I, I finally got an internship. I, well, actually I, I had one internship that was related to After Effects. Okay. And that was more motion graphic stuff, like um, TV overlays, you know, you see like you're watching the news or um, openings for TV shows. So it was that kind of like motion graphic oh, stuff you okay. see. So that was my first internship and I was excited about it. But then, you know, I was like, I need a nuke internship so that I can like really get into this program. And my first internship was at the Molecule in New York City.
0: What and I don't know the Molecule.
1: Yeah, they actually got bought out recently by Crafty Ape. So they're like merged with another company. Okay. But I'll tell you how I got that internship because it was also non-traditional. <laughs> so I was applying to jobs in New York and I applied to this one company, um, the artery. Okay. They're still around. So I applied to the artery and I was these are running
0: late. Always... Yep,
1: these are all VFX companies in New York City. So I was running late and then um I guess I got there too late. I got lost, and the 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 producer's assistant was like, "Oh, she had another meeting, but um, let me talk to you, you know, just to get an idea of like what you know your goals are and stuff while she's busy. So maybe I can like, <laughs> so maybe we could like, um, you know, do a, like a pre pre interview, whatever. Okay. And I was like, okay. So I'm talking to her, and I'm like, yeah, I want to be a compositor. I'm learning Nuke. And she was like, oh, this isn't the right job for you then. oh, oh. <laughs> And I was like, oh. She's like, yeah, we don't even use Nuke here. Um, They use another program called Flame, which is also a compositing program. And it's used for commercials and music videos and stuff. So she was like, but I do have a good friend named Chris. He's one of the owners at The Molecule. I work there. He's great. Send him an email. Tell him I gave you his contact information and ask him if, you know, you can have an internship there. And that's what I did.
0: (laughs) So you went to one job. It was like so random. You went to one interview, was late, but then got a whole nother interview at a whole nother job and then book and then got that internship. Okay, right. Shonda, I'm not sure this is advice anybody else going to be able to do. But you know (laughs) what? (laughs) It's a good story. That is wild. That's yeah. fascinating. So they didn't even they didn't even do the program at all that you had trained in. So you had, oh wow, okay.
1: So my journey was very non-traditional and it was almost like just a lot of random happenings that helped push me along, you know. Um but that's why but one thing I would say is like you still have to meet the right people or meet people in the industry because those were the people who helped me. You know, everyone was nice enough to help me along the way. I'm like, I'm learning these programs. I don't know what to do with them. And then my friend suggested that I go to Sony and then everyone at Sony sat with me and talked to me and showed me stuff, you know? So it was kind of like, it wasn't that traditional as far as let's just go to school, take the classes, Mm -hmm. graduate, and then figure it out. I was like meeting people and communicating along the way with people in the industry already to help kind of guide me along, you know.
0: So So those relationships are really important and that networking piece being really important. So when Uh you say your kind of journey was not traditional, what do you, like, I mean, you work with a lot of other VX people, you know, everything. Do you, what is the, if there is one, is there a traditional path? I mean, there's a school that I didn't
1: even know about when I was graduating in high school called Full Cell in Florida. A lot of people that I know who work in this industry went to that school and they have a good visual, like visual effects, computer graphics program. Um, SVA has a program now. I don't know if they had it when I was learning or, well, they didn't at least have a, a certificate program. And why you, so most people go to college for it. And then they probably with a big college program, like a four-year program, a main Mm -hmm. program, they have a little bit more drawn out so that people have the opportunity to kind of get a feel for what they want. They have people from the industry coming in, doing panels and speaking to them, Mm -hmm. and they already have those networking opportunities right while they're in school, you know, in undergrad. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, I think it's interesting that you were talking about having your friend that kind of helped you along the way and how you mentor now. Tell me a little bit about your mentoring mentoring work that you do now with other
1: people. Yeah, so um, basically it's not through any formal program, which I was hoping to join one, but like usually I'm so busy, but um, people just reach out to me on LinkedIn. They ask me if I can mentor them. They tell me they want to get into visual effects and we'll set up a schedule once a week. Um, Mostly what I do is I try to help people build their reel. So we'll kind of talk about what kind of work they want to do, what kind of um, reel I think, or what kind of things are important to show um, to get that kind of work. And then we'll go through the process of like selecting footage, building up the shots. I'll give them feedback. They'll make corrections. So it's kind of like They're going through just trying to build a reel because that's one of the main things you need to get a job in the industry anyway.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome that people... And that's awesome that you do that for people just through LinkedIn. Like... Yeah. I mean, strangers, right? Like, these are just people who are looking out. Yeah. Okay. And they're always
1: like, oh my God, thank you so much. Like, But again, it was people who helped me. So I just try to help other people, you know, in the time that I can. So that's how I look at it. That's dope.
0: I love that. So what advice do you give for people that are interested in getting into VFX, especially Black people? So one, what I would say is
1: there's there's something for everyone, I feel like. Mm -hmm. No matter kind of what your interest is, this is a huge industry. Even before you get to post-production, there's pre-production. So there's a lot of different... Um, things that you could work in and you know be happy, especially like if you're creative there i feel like any any type of person probably could have a job in, in the visual effects industry in general. but if you want to be a compositor like if you feel like you want to be um, someone who puts everything together and finishes things, mm-hmm. the main thing i would say is you really have to spend the time to kind of learn the program, the processes, and then like, use that information to create good images and like think of things kind of like um, I guess they say photography is kind of close to to like compositing you know you have to really try to understand the program first but then you also have to understand the techniques and then you know it is something artistic and creative so you want to kind of put those things together but if you didn't want to put like things together like that you could just model like something in the program. So, you know, you don't have to go as far as you think you might need to. You could be, some people are just lighters. All they do is light the characters, you know. So there is something that you could do, I think, that would be interesting to you without feeling like you have to just choose something that you hear everyone else doing.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you were talking about, well, we know that you had a a whole job before you, you know, had an undergraduate degree and all that. When you look back, like, on your childhood, do you see, I mean, I know we talked about having that nine-year-old moment, you know, some people coming. oh, Mm -hmm. we love Star Wars. Um, But you can't be a VFX compositor without being an artist. So do you have, like, moments from your childhood when you were like, oh, yeah, I can see how that's relating to, or I can see kind of a through line from there to what I'm doing now?
1: Well, from my childhood, since I was young, I was a traditional artist. So I painted, I did pottery, woodshop, weaving, paper making. I did every single type of art, metalsmithing. So I was a traditional artist. And actually I was also a realist. That was the like art that I liked to create. I like to do like landscapes and cityscapes and stuff. So I, now I feel like, okay, you know, since I, since you're always trying to create something that looks real when you're compositing, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, that form of like, painting like cityscapes and everything in the realist form maybe that's kind of like why I'm drawn so much to compositing in general
0: oh that's really interesting yeah just yeah. seeing that yeah I think it's always fun to look back and then draw the line like oh yeah I did you still like doing that so that's really yeah yeah that's cool that you still yeah. like realism that's something that you do a lot with now so, being in vFX, do you feel like specifically as a compositor, there are certain qualities or skills that people kind of overlook when they're considering um, a career as a compositor? is there are there well, like skills or qualities that you think are really important that maybe people don't think about? one thing i've i mean one thing I've been told a lot from
1: when I started until now is in you know from different studios. A lot of people say, you know, your like person your persona um, and communication. Like a lot of people don't really like you really have to talk. You really have to communicate in this industry. So even if you're like shy and I used to be very shy, <laughs> like I used to be completely shy. So people can't even believe it because I talk so much now. But I used to be shy and quiet and people I was like, you know, communication is very important because there's so many dots and, you know, lines and everything just needs to be communicated. So you as an artist need to always be like communicating your, your strengths, your weaknesses, when you're having problems, You know, people, I think in general, when you get a job, you want to seem like you know everything or you don't want to feel like, oh, I don't know this, but this is actually an industry where it's good to say, hey, I don't know how to do that. Can someone show me? So you can always ask for help. You don't have to feel like go into any studio and just feel like, oh, I need to figure out how to do this. And that's what I did when I first started. And, you know, I didn't I wasn't progressing because, again, I learned it on my own. So like I was always like, oh, my God, I don't know how to do this. And I didn't realize, like, because in other types of industries, you know, it's kind of frowned upon to, like, be, like, always asking for help or always. Right. Yeah. So um, I had to, like, make the transition where I realized, and again, it was based on feedback from so many different people. Everyone's always, like, Are these artists artists don't communicate enough. And it's always, like, a big problem for, like, supervisors and, like, top-level people. So...
0: Wow. That's, that's a good point. I would have never thought about that. And then also as, as a compositor, you're at the end of everything. So I would think that you have a ton of different people coming to you, bringing stuff to you and you're refining it. So you probably have to deal with a lot of different people and a lot of different personalities.
1: Well, it's all on the computer. So everyone's just, you know, Passing things along digitally. It's not really like you're talking to a lot of people. So you can sit at your desk all day and like not talk to anyone, but you're getting work from a lot of different people. You're getting like stuff handed off from a lot of different people.
0: Oh, my daughter's going to love that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because she's interested in animation and VFX stuff, and um, she don't like to talk to nobody. So this is good. To, that's very. That's a good quality <laughs> to know. Like, sometimes A
1: lot, lot of people just sit and, you know, they're kind of like loners. They just sit and work. But, um, you, you know, you have meetings every day. You have meetings to check your work. So that's the time to check in with your team and kind of talk in that work. Back before remote work, which obviously they still have people in office. They have like a big dailies room and everyone goes into dailies and the studios used to have like happy hour every Friday in in the company to get people to socialize. So they, the VFX industry was like really big on having everyone eventually get together at least once a week and like just talk to each other as a team Mm -hmm. and like relax. So
0: yeah. that was really cool. Oh, yeah, it's a cool idea. Once a week is doable, I think, for most introverts. Look, <laughs> that, that will work for most introverts. So I'm sure um, because you do compositing, you probably watch just TV and film differently from the rest of us, right? Because you just have a different eye for it. What's something that you've watched recently, TV, film, either, um, that you've just been really impressed with the work? Funny
1: enough, I used to really not watch a lot of TV. <laughs> so I'll be like working on these shows and never watch them. I I think basically during the pandemic, I started probably watching more TV than I've ever watched. But um yeah, what was I well, I love The Mandalorian. Like I absolutely love it. I love all the visuals. Um I I now watch more Marvel movies. I never wasn't Mar- like I never just I didn't like that type of movie, but now I watch it. And I'm always just, like, loving the graphics and, like, the visual effects. And sometimes when I watch TV, I, like, if it's, like, a gory show, I'm, like, looking at it as a reference. I'm, like, oh, wow, let me see how that blood is, like, on the character's face. (laughs) Because when you're working, you sometimes have to find references, but I'm, like, oh, I'll just, like, take some notes, mental notes when I'm, like, watching TV now of, like, some of the things that are happening in the shots, but... Um, you know, those sci-fi or like action hero movies, they have more effects and stuff like that. So it's nice to watch those and just kind of see how things come together. Um, I was recently watching Foundation and I never watched it, but um, I worked on it and I was just looking at the graphics too, like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't work on like this all, you know, you work on maybe an episode or two episodes or something. And um, these graphics in this show are like, really great so I was like wow this is
0: cool yeah so you're like I knew my stuff was good but the other (laughs) stuff is good so that's great no that's fine
1: and then sometimes it's broken up across 10 studios so like it'll be one show but like 10 different studios will be working on it so you don't even know what the other um shots are you know why
0: would they do that why would they break it up over 10 different studios why wouldn't they just have you guys like one studio just do everything what's the downside of that
1: well, the number of people and the amount of time required to get it done. Okay. So, you know, one studio or even two or even three can't take on all the work that needs to be done.
0: OK, yeah. I think the most recent article I've read, it was months ago, but it was a, a, a few VFX people and they were just saying like, you know, that they were just kind of complaining that the industry is really difficult because there are fast turnaround times mm-hmm. and people kind of don't understand what they do very well. So they're just like, you know, they'll come back with something and say, hey, we need for you guys to fix this, you know, need yeah. it done in a week. And it's like, that's going to take a month to do and twice as many people. And yeah. so I just thought that was interesting. I mean, are is that kind of, um, they made it seem like it was industry-wide. Is that kind of industry-wide, you think?
1: Well, you you hear that from, I mean, but you hear from a lot of people. So like, even sometimes when I was working in the office, um, it was playing one job. Um, A lot of people used to complain and the supervisor would just be like, oh, if you're going to be complaining, this isn't the work for you. Like, you know, he would just like (laughs) brush it off. But so I think there's some people, it depends on, you know, your personal life, I think. Mm. And Um, One thing about me, I always try, like, I've been living, I live my life, like, I can adapt well. So I, like, adapt, I figure out how I can be successful in whatever situation I'm in. So I'm just creating efficiencies. And now that I'm much better at communicating, I communicate with, uh, like, you know, my supervisor, like my lead, I let them know what's going on. I'm like, I have a plan for how I'm going to get this done. But so I try to take pressure off of myself. Because that's what happens. A lot of people don't communicate and they don't speak up. They just feel like, oh, someone gave me these 30 shots and I need to get them done. And you could say, you could say, hey, you know, I have this going on. You know, some studios, they're like, um, they put everyone on 10 hour days, 12 hour days. Like they just expect everyone to work 12 hours and no one's asking like, hey, can you work 12 hours? It's just like, oh, we're on 10 hour days now. Oh, we're on 12 hour days now. And so people just feel like they don't have a voice in those types of situations. Mm -hmm. But I think once you learn how to communicate, you know, effectively and just let people know what's going on, there is a little bit more receptiveness to it. And then I think once you build a reputation of like being a good artist, that's going to get the work done, then a lot of people will allow you to be a little bit flexible without, you feeling like you just have so much pressure on your back to like get this done tomorrow or you know you want to meet your deadlines but it's like like you said with the article um, a lot of people also feel like they want to work on Marvel movies or they want to work at these big studios and they put themselves in those situations like if you're going to sign up for that you have to know exactly what that's going to require because you have the option to maybe work on commercials. Those just have to be done in like a week. So you don't have to worry about them changing too much, you know, or you can work on TV shows, you know, and they have like one episode a week. They used to have one episode a week. Now with streaming, sometimes it's like the whole show is being done at the same time. But, you know, you have to find what kind of work is going to fit your lifestyle. You can still do the type of work that you're going to love, but you don't want to jump into a situation that's going to be very stressful for you at whatever point in your life you are at. That's going to make it stressful. You know,
0: that's a good point. There are so many different. I didn't realize like you're naming commercials and TV shows and film. There's so many different avenues for you to, to go into. And then, like you said, depending on the schedule and how things are working out in your life, you'll be able to choose which one will work best for you. That's awesome. Such a good, flexible um, profession to be in. So we talked a little bit about mentoring um, and kind of giving back. I consider personally this podcast to be a service to the black community because we are exposing behind the scenes, um, you know, craft positions that don't get a lot of talk. Right. People aren't talking Mm -hmm. a lot about them. And just being able to talk to black people that are doing those things, I think is a huge, you know, it just makes a huge difference. Um, and so I just wanted to ask you why giving back is so important to you. Because obviously, I mean, when I reached out to you for the interview, you were like, of course, yeah, I'm on board. Let's do it. And I was just like, wow, you know, you were, you're were you so, um, I don't know, so giving and generous in that way. And I just wondered why giving back is so important to you.
1: Well, like I said, since my journey was very nontraditional, you know, I'm just emailing like this owner of a company. Like, can you give me an interview? He doesn't know me, you know. So it was just people like that who were like, yes, I'll help you, who make me want to help other people. So that's just basically it. You know, I'm like, I know, I know how hard it can be, how difficult it could be, you know, to try to get your foot in the door, get some information, get certain information. It's just like not really readily available and thankfully i think linkedin's been pretty good about like uh, so many people just reach out on linkedin but also so many people are putting out information now on linkedin so if you're connecting with the right people on linkedin then now you have a little bit more access to more information and um you know last year i started my youtube channel to do um like tips tricks tutorials and stuff like that specifically for compositing because i was always like trying to help other people at work or you know, when I'm mentoring, I'm trying to show them different techniques, but I'm like, you know, I think it's just good just to have the information somewhere where I don't have to worry and I could just direct people to that. So, um, and I don't have to spend too much time all the time answering the same questions or showing the same thing. So it was just a way for me to kind of reach more people and get the information out there in a different way too. So I just want to basically help other people because so many people have helped me and I think you have to continue paying it for it, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. Absolutely. So give us the, give us the details on the, on the YouTube uh, so people can check it out. Oh yeah. So
1: my channel is called post series. So I started out as a new course. So I was trying to go, it's so much to learn though, but I was trying to go through Um, when I was learning new, since I learned on my own, there were a lot of hurdles and I was always looking online. There's like courses you can pay for. And I was always looking for information, but I was never able to fully grasp certain concepts because when people, when people are doing videos and stuff, I think what people do is they skip over stuff because it's just kind of in their head. So they like skip it. And I'm like, wait, I'm following all the steps and I still can't do it. So (laughs) I try to create my videos in a way that go over all the steps. So I started out with like a course. So I have some chapters where I'm going up through the program, and then more recently I started doing shorts, just quick tips or showing quick techniques. And I also do tips, tricks, and then I started doing demo um, requests. So people, if they, you know, if they are working on something at work and they're like, oh, you know, I need help with this. Can you show me how to do this? I'll just do a quick demo and I'll upload it to my YouTube channel. And also I started doing real reviews where I just look through demo reels and kind of talk through them to give people idea of what kind of things, when someone's looking at your reel and you're putting your reel together, what kind of things they're gonna be looking at, what kind of things they're gonna be commenting on. So I started doing that too. So I have so many playlists, but I was only supposed to have one, which was the court like going through Nuke and doing the course, but now it's like spread out to like several different playlists now.
0: That's awesome. So I think that that's such a great uh, resource for people, too. So hit her up, give her a follow, um, subscribe, check it out. Yeah. So that's awesome. All right. So I I just want to thank you for meeting, you know, uh, interviewing with me today. It's been awesome. I just am so inspired by your path being non-traditional. I just think it's going to reach so many people um Mm -hmm. and you just gave us so much great information i mean the certificate program is something i had never heard about how important mentoring was for you the idea of shadowing to figure out exactly what you wanted to do all of that i think is going to be so helpful to our listeners so um, i want to thank you shonda hunt for coming in and checking us out today if you guys want to follow shonda definitely do so on youtube Um, I think I'm pretty sure she has an Instagram as well. Do you want to drop the? Yeah. 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 I
1: also have a post series Instagram. So it's Nuke post series. Okay, perfect.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, this has been Black Who Call. I'm your host, Kay Montgomery. Stay black and keep dreaming. Special thank you to Kalah for our theme music and for editing on this episode we